Well, friends, welcome back to one of my favorite episodes we do here on this podcast. About every six months, we look back and we say, what are some of our favorites? Now, please know this is tough because if you listen to this podcast regularly, which we hope you do, man, we have some incredible guests and we've been sharing a lot from our own coaching experience. I've been sharing some of the principles that I'm hearing from people this summer. We want to keep you fresh. We want to keep you relevant. We also want to reach back to some of the archives. We don't want you to miss some gems in here. So we are talking, this is episode two of our highlight reel. There's some serious sizzle in here. We're trying to pick the best of the best, the favorite of the favorite. So we give a few minute clips in here. Before we get started with that, I want to remind you of our right side up journal. If you are struggling to execute and you don't know how to clarify your days, you don't know how to prioritize what's truly important to you and actually stick to those things or to execute what you actually want and need to get done in the course of the day. Friends, we designed the Right Side Up Journal for you. I use it every single morning. It's sitting right next to me with my podcasting gear right here. It's based on 10 minutes a day, clarifying your day, and also zooming out on Sunday night when you have that anxiety, that overwhelm, and you don't want to go back to work on Monday. I don't really have that anymore because I have an ability to look back at last week and see the victories, see some of the unfinished business, look ahead and plan for the week. It has changed everything for me. And we have hundreds of people every single morning opening that up. We are excited to grow that to thousands of leaders. We want to encourage you to head on over to rightsideupjournal.com. That's rightsideupjournal.com. You'll be hearing more about that this fall. Guys, we have some really exciting things here on the podcast and in Stay Forth Designs. Hang on. We're going to be sharing about that this fall. But in this episode, I want to hear, I want you guys to hear from our main man, Jonathan Collier. Jonathan serves as our marketing director at Stay Forth Designs. He's also our podcast editor. So friends, before a podcast goes out, he's listening to those. He's editing those. If I made any stupid mistakes in the process, then he's editing those out. And so first of all, Jonathan, I want to say thanks, man. Thanks for all the work that you do to make this podcast accessible, available, and so good to other people. I appreciate that. I, I thoroughly enjoy doing it. It's it's pretty neat because I get to hear the episodes before really anybody else aside from you, but it's also fun to then go back and listen to them after they've been edited. So it's neat to get to hear them twice. I think it's fair to say you've got to be the number one fan of this podcast. You certainly have listened to more episodes than anybody else of this. Oh, we're and 222 man, episodes in. We're 222 episodes in. So I've listened to 444 <laughs> episodes. <laughs> yes. Oh. Yes. Seriously, guys, it uh, it takes a team. And so you may only hear me talking, interviewing somebody else. At Stay Forth, we believe in team. And we have an incredible team of people. And um, any of the kind of resources that go out to you in any form go through Jonathan and um, we lead in team here. And so we want to give credit where credit is due, but we just thought it would be completely unfair for Jonathan not to get his hand in. So you heard last episode, if you didn't hear that, go back and hear my highlight reel. I had a hard time choosing. Jonathan, there's no doubt, like this was a challenge for you, man. How was this choosing just five? I feel bad because I feel like if someone doesn't get picked, then I'm doing a disservice to that person. Like, like not getting picked for kickball. Right. So it, it's difficult. Yeah. It's like really difficult. Like, yeah, you were great, but like, man, I've got five spots and I really want to put together this all-star team. So that's where we're looking at. 
And I think it's easy to say we have we have like conversations that are way up here, and then we have to pick the ones that are like really, really special to us. So I did my best. I did my best. So all right, we'll man. That's all you can do. You try to pick the dream team, man. That's yeah. that's no joke here. So uh, all right, man. Well, we have delayed the conversation enough. Let's get down. Let's get down to business. All Number right, one. What do you got? Coming in hot in no particular order. We're gonna go back to episode 197 for a phenomenal conversation with Kiana Clay. And that episode was titled From Heartbreak to Pro Adrenaline Athlete. Kiana's story is amazing. Um, Unbelievable. Just steadfastness, perseverance, continuing to overcome in the midst of obstacles and pain and heartbreak. And she just kept going and like through what would be life altering changes to any average human being. She leaned on her faith and leaned on Jesus and how he holds everything together and kept pursuing it. And she's a motocross athlete, a pro snowboarder, um, like surfer. She does all of it. And she's just a testament to the fact that we all have a next right step to take. And even when things get tough, we can still take that step. So, guys, enjoy this clip from episode 197 from Kiana Clay titled From Heartbreak to Pro Adrenaline Athlete. Have you have you read the book? Um fan uh a fan versus a follower by kyle eidelman mm-hmm. yeah yeah not a fan yeah so yeah so i was i was a fan of god i would but i wasn't a follower i didn't know god i didn't know his character and so losing my arm i got to really know god through that because he took away a limb and i thought i had this whole plan figured out so i'm i'm not gonna lie like i had a i had a period where i was like god why me? Uh, do you even love me? Like, how can you say that you're an all merciful and healing God, but you're still leaving me with a paralyzed arm that leaves me in constant pain 24 seven. Cause I have neuropathy really bad. So like I have blackouts and times and pain attacks and stuff like that, where I can't function. I'm just stuck in bed. Um, and so I, I wrestled a lot with God for that. And he graciously and lovingly was like, this is my way of constantly daily reminding you that you have to rely on me and you have to be thankful for what you have rather than what you don't have. You don't have an arm, but you have this awesome future planned. And I didn't know what that future was. So just really, truly having my faith in God, especially during the time where I didn't have a place to live and just having these things fall in my lap. I've seen God God show up in more ways because of trials than if everything was all good. If like me and my ex were still together and my parents were still together and I had my job and everything was like all picture perfect. But through the trials, I've seen God even more. So I'm actually grateful that I lost my arm and that I go through trials and I go through temptations and I have doubts and I have those conversations with God because it's grown my faith to such an insane high level that I never experienced before. And it's really awesome to kind of sit back and and look at myself today versus even just last year of just how much my faith has grown um, and just how much stronger my relationship is with God because I've gotten to the place where I'm like, if I have food, if I have clothes and I have a place to live, I don't care about anything else. Like I'm completely good. I'm completely under the sovereignty of the King of King, Lord of Lords. He's going to take care of me. And so it's just really cool. um, Especially being able to share my testimony in a very, very, very secular industries of action sports, because aside from motocross, everything's all about 
women and drinking and partying mm-hmm. and just, you know, getting bought into that lie and that deceit. So it's really cool. I've been able to have awesome conversations with people all around the world through snowboarding and connect with people and really just show God's grace and love through my own story. When I was in the room the first time with Kiana, we were going around kind of sharing a little bit of what we do. And I just felt sorry for the person sharing after her because as she shared just so humbly about um, how hard she works and what she does, the people she's able to influence is incredible. She is literally able to influence people in three different subcultures of surfing, motocross, and snowboarding that the rest of us simply cannot. And so what an incredible story and how God has this unique influence for her in this space. Absolutely love it. Jonathan, what do you have coming at us for clip number two? Man, this one I think is really timeless. We talked about that in the intro to your episode. There's certain messages that are timely. There's ones that are timeless, and there's some that are both. Um, We're going back to episode 190 with Tyler Reagan talking about leading things you didn't start. I think we're in an interesting place in our culture where there's been so much shift and change and turnover um, as a result of the last year and a half and coming out into into this new era of leadership. And so what does it look like to come in and lead over a team whether it's in ministry or business, um, nonprofit space, and lead over a team that was started by someone else? Like, how do you transition in and how do you do that well? So it's one that I think is very important for where we are uh, in the leadership landscape right now. So guys, enjoy this clip and then go back and listen to the full episode. You'll really enjoy and appreciate that you did from episode 190 with Tyler Reagan called Leading Things You Didn't Start. Something new you're not inheriting people that have been there a long time that might not be the right people anymore. So there's, there's significant differences there. And honestly, that's the reason a lot of pastors will plant churches and have 300 people in them. So they don't have to deal with the 4,000 people and all the traditional stuff that they have to inherit and go through to move something forward. Um, When you inherit something, there's financial history that's good, bad, or different, but you got to deal with it. When you inherit something, you got a group of people that are looking at you going, well, he's not, she's not. Oh, she's great at this, but not that. I missed yeah. this. I want that. I came here for this. One of the things you got to realize is that when you join a team or you're the boss now, none of them, when they took this job originally, had you in mind. <laughs> and so there's some reality to that. One of the, you know, I have four case studies in the back, Alan, and one of those is with um, Buzz Williams, who's the head coach at Texas A&M basketball, men's basketball. And I had interviewed him. He's a good friend of mine. It was his fourth major Division I program that he had taken over, and he was only 100 days in. And I can remember just going, Coach, like, what do you do when you've got a group of players looking, going, I didn't sign up for you. You didn't recruit me. I don't care about your culture. I don't care about your accolades. Like, this affects me more than it probably even affects you. How do you get them on board, you know? And he was really honest. He said, you know, some of them, I gave them the release if they wanted to roll because I knew if they wanted to it's roll. It's called transfer it, portal. It is, right? Yeah. And, and but you have to be honest about it. A lot of coaches are going, no, I'll get them. I'll win them over. I'll do this mm-hmm. kind of thing. So even when I took over Catalyst, I waited a little while. I waited about three months till Brad kind of clarified what he was doing. And, and I remember sitting with the team that was still there. And I knew Alan going into that and I hate rhetorical meetings. So it wasn't like I went into like, I'm, I'm a no rhetorical meeting kind of guy. So it wasn't like, Hey, I know what I'm trying to get from this. What I also knew though, is there were a couple of players that have been there a long time yeah. that 
that were going to really have to wrestle with the truths of how I was going to lead and the culture expectation I had for them. And my gut was they weren't going to make it. But I remember sitting with the team. I laid out the six personal uh, like characteristics of what it meant to be a part of this team. My expectations, if you're sitting in the circle. And then I looked at everyone and I said, here's the other thing you've got to pray through. I'm never going to be Brad Lomley. Simple as that. This is what I'm going to hold you accountable to behavior-wise, and I will never be Brad. Now, it doesn't mean I don't love Brad, and it doesn't mean that there's things that he did that I want to do as well as him, but my point is... Tribute to Brad right now. Brad, you're a beautiful right. man, if you're listening. Oh, of course. He knows that. Like, And he and I are still really close friends, And, but I never tried to be Brad. Yep. I'm just going to lead from myself. But I knew those two answers would, would, would force the thinking in some leaders going, and I just said, if that's not going to work for you, that's okay. Right. Let's figure out what will work for you and let's get you there. Yeah. Like, let's, who do you want me to connect you with? Who you, but the others, it created a system or a, an accountability, a standard that said, if you're going to sit in this circle, you're going to agree to these behavior and not just me, the boss is going to hold yeah. you accountable, but this group is going to, you're on team now. And yep. if, if your teammate sees you acting counter to what we've all agreed upon to sit in the circle, they're going to hold you accountable to that. Yeah. So it was just kind of that, how do you get people on board when you didn't hire them? I think we forget that most people won't start anything. Most people won't start an organization. And honestly, I I think we envy entrepreneurs. We almost worship entrepreneurs, the person that starts the thing. But as someone who's started some things before, I'll tell you guys, it is so much easier to join something that is good and that is healthy. Um, There's challenges to it. And I love how Tyler shared that both in this episode and in his book, and he's become a friend and kind of conversations we've had with that have been really, really helpful to say that you don't have to ever start your own thing, put your imprint there. You may be a solopreneur, you may lead a team, but chances are you've joined or are going to join a team with an existing culture. Really helpful book written on something that so many people face, and there are so few messages there. So appreciate Tyler, his work, his ministry with so many leaders out there. Jonathan, what do you got next? This one here was one of my favorites. It's another timely and timeless one as we look to where we're headed. Um, we're in this season where, as an organization, you know, we are ourselves zooming out, looking back to look ahead. And this is one of those where I think it's great to reflect on um, because as we pursue health and to reach more impact, and as we're looking where we want to go in the fall and the things we want to accomplish, um, we want to be a leader worth following. And that's the episode title for this one from 205 with Chris Coltis. Um, are you a leader with following? And I think we get so often wrapped up in wanting people to follow us that we lose sight of our own passions and desires and what drives us. And if we lose sight of what drives us, then we'll lose those that are tracking along behind us. And so that's why I think this conversation is really important. So guys, enjoy this clip from episode 205 titled, Are You a Leader Worth Following? The first traps that people fall into is having this vague sense of frustration and drain and burnout, but not exactly knowing where it's coming from. Yes. And that's that's so hard to tackle when, you know, when the monster in the closet is undefined, it's, you know, it's really hard to know what you're up against. And so, you know, I, th- I think that's the first step is to really say, what is it that's driving me? And it's always going to be an interaction between who are who am I as an individual and then what is it in the environment that's actually kind of triggering me or or draining me? 
That's good. Now the opposite side of that, how do we uncover or unearth our drivers? Uh, well, and, and so I think part of that it is uncovering your drivers and your drainers. And, and I'm actually happy to go back. There, there's a couple of techniques on, on the drainer side of things. You know, it's not just about knowing them. There are some, ta- there are some tactics and techniques um, that, uh, that, that I encourage people to do and, yeah, and that I think are it. super helpful. Um, so in terms of, in terms of, you know, once you know your drainers and your drivers, but once you really kind of get a sense of here's what's draining for me, um, I actually encourage people to think about four things, building skills, changing context, uh, calibration and motivational hooks. So I'll, un- I'll unpack um, each of those four things here real quick. Uh, building skills, that's pretty transparent or pretty straightforward. But the idea here is that um, let, let's say you unpack your driver or your drainer, sorry, and you realize. Um, so one of the things that's draining me is the fact that um, I'm really not a natural collaborator. I like to work independently, um, but I'm in a really highly matrixed organization and my role requires me to do tons of stakeholder management, right? That's, that's a recipe for burnout um, or it could be. And so from a skill building standpoint, um, this, this isn't rocket science here, but I mean, if, if that's the situation you're in, uh, building some real tangible skills in how do I do stakeholder management? How do I do relationship mapping? How do I know who I'm supposed to attend to? Uh, how do I do? How do I manage meetings so that collaboration is more efficient and less frustrating? Um, just real tangible skill building can help manage some of that energy drain. And again, it goes like once you do that self-awareness build, you understand where you're going to get the highest leverage skill development. Because I think you know it's 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 really easy for us to fall into toxic positivity when we're when we're talking about how do you fight burnout, yep. right? Because y- y- you don't want to just say, "Well, get better at everything, and <laughs> burnout will go away." It's magic, <laughs> right? Exactly. But if you can get better in a certain few targeted things where the drain is happening most. Um, that's, I would say that's, that's one step towards, uh, fighting burnout. That question is haunting, I think for us all. And, um, if we have any kind of influence, then the reality is people are following us and maybe it's within the culture of our organization. Uh, I think about my kids and the way that I treat them is going to be the way that they treat others. And the way that they see me treat their mother is likely going to be the the way that they treat their spouse. And uh, I just think that's a sobering question for all of us. And um, we don't just want to give you kind of cute answers here on this podcast. We're asking real questions. And I think that episode addresses some real questions. Um, What is a leader worth following? What's the kind of leader that we want to follow? How do we become that kind of humble and that kind of empathetic leader, the kind of leader that is truly there to help other people, not to use other people? So I was deeply challenged by that as well. Not necessarily one of those feel-good episodes, but one that I needed. No, I mean, the reality is, like you said, you have impact and you have air in your lungs and blood in your veins and a heartbeat. You've got impact. And for better or worse, people will follow you into health or into unhealth. And 
it's one of those look in the mirror questions like, where am I? What is the assessment of where I am right now? And based on where I want to go, what needs to happen to where I am someone that people want to follow into, you know, greater health and sustainability. So it's definitely a prickly one. Yeah, for sure. But we're not avoiding hard conversations here. We're going to continue to bring up those, head into those. You have two picks left, Jonathan. What do you got for us? This one, pick number four for me, speaks directly to the core of who we are at Stay Forth Designs and why the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast exists, um, why we why we care deeply for the health of leaders, because this episode, we spoke, or you spoke with Kelsey Chapman, and she talked about very candidly and very honestly her journey into burnout, through burnout, and as she's getting to the other side of it. It's one of those stories that doesn't have a finish line and a nice, neat bow you know, tied around it, but it speaks exactly to why it's important to pursue health before impact and why it's important to pay attention to what you pay attention to and, and listen to the things that listen to. And, and so um, I love this episode. It was again, not a feel good one. It was very real. And I would encourage all of you guys to go listen to it. It's uh, episode 203 was part one of a two part series. So guys enjoyed this clip from Alan's conversation with Kelsey Chapman called the road back to health. Yeah, I mean, I think I think I'm currently in one. And I think too, it it really mirrors a season in my book where I talked about getting to Colorado, I'd run for two years really hard, like 80 hour work weeks, um, and just was burnt out. And I, I got to a similar place of burnout, you know, here I am four years later in another cycle of burnout. And I think that this one was more extreme than that one. Um, you can't control life circumstances that just happen. Sometimes it's not anything you did. It's just life happens. But the sheer force of all the things has left me in a state of I'm tired and I have to take care of myself in the season and I have to set totally new rhythms or I will keep cycling through this even more frequently than four-year cycles. And so I think for me, what I've done in those seasons is invited safe voices in to say, hey, you've certainly navigated this before. You're, you know, 10 years older than me. What did, how, how many times have you navigated this? What have you done? What about when you don't have the energy to work as free, as much or as hard? You still got to put food on the table. How do you do this? How long should I expect this to take? When is it going to end? I have been really grateful to have voices in my life that I could invite in, you know, in this season, you have been so generous to me in, in being a voice in my life. I write about Catherine in the book during a season of extreme burnout. And I, I feel like she was a lifeline for me. You know, I feel like I moved to Colorado to meet Catherine too. Mm. And so I joke about her. I call her the Olivia Pope of our friend group because she fixes all of us mm -hmm. um, for any scandal fans out there. Olivia Pope was called the fixer and Catherine Toon truly fixes me and all of my friends. <laughs> um, but she, um, she really just walked with me. I met with her once a week for an entire year. I still go to her to be my sounding board to say, Hey, I'm praying through this. You are more in tune with Holy spirit than anyone I've ever met. Can you help me pray through this? Can you help me decide what's next? Can you help me feel feel out, is this off or is this aligned? Um, she's just a constant sounding board and helps me come back home to myself. I think, I think the best mentors don't give you a blueprint for what they think you need to do. 
but they help you come home to yourself and what what's a what's a tailored custom blueprint for you and so I am right in the middle of a hard season and inviting trusted voices in to navigate you know what's the next right step one of my favorite scriptures is your word is the lamp to my feet and a light to my path and a lamp doesn't always give you you know, light for a football field ahead or three miles ahead, but it'll give you the next right steps. And I think, I think mentors can do that as well. It's like, Hey, here's the next step. I'm with mm. you. I'm holding your hand. It's yeah. going to be okay. I know you're scared. I know it looks dark, Yeah. but I'm with you and we'll take the next step together. I loved her honesty. And there's nothing quite like hearing about somebody in the midst of it. And she's not looking back two years later and saying, here's what happened. Uh, and now I'm over it, quote unquote. She's saying, here's where I'm at right now. And it's been a joy to walk with her uh, as a coach in this season. And even since this episode has come out, making incredible headway on that. And this is one of the great things that brings us hope and joy and fulfillment is to watch leaders who are in a depleted place to be able to come back to their unique design. Here's how God has uniquely designed me to live and lead. And she's owning that. She's naming that and she's moving beyond it. And it's so cool to watch. It's something that pumps me up. So I, I absolutely love that conversation. We actually had to break it into two parts because it was so good. I didn't want to stop it. Those are my favorite episodes, mm -hmm. honestly, to record is when there's so many surprises there that we're not just going to cut it off for a 20 minute episode. We're just going to keep going on that. So make sure to go back and listen to that one. Jonathan, this is that tough moment where this is 10 of 10. I had my five. You are on the fifth of five. What is your last choice? I want to bring this one into land and, and tie attempt, attempt, might I say, to tie a ribbon around this one um, with one of our more recent episodes and a great friend, a network coach of Stay Forth Designs who does some amazing things, cultivating spaces for kingdom builders, as he says, to pursue the mountains they've been called to climb. Uh, you recently talked to a leader with Apex Gathering. And the conversation was from conference to experience. And that was another very real encouraging conversation about why it's important for leaders to care for themselves and to move away from the overwhelming environment of the, the frantic, hectic pace of the conference model where you get the swag bags and everything. And really to have this increased bar of excellence from putting on the experience, but to invite people into a space. I've had the pleasure of attending two of these. You've been to two of these. Um, experiences are near and dear to the heart of Stay Forth. Um, and to see another organization coming along and creating spaces for people to come, to be served, to create space, to share candidly where they are and what's going on. Because let's face it, when you lead others, you run in circles where your relationships are largely transactional. Unintentionally, people come to you because they want and need something from you. And so how beautiful is it to enter into a space where no one needs anything from you? You're free to just talk and be replenished and be encouraged. And then to see coming on the other side of that, how people enter back into the marketplace with renewed health, renewed passion, renewed drive to continue caring. It's, um, it's magical. And so this episode for me was really cool. Um, talking to Austin Walker with apex gathering about from conference to an experience. It was a fun one for me knowing the heart of what they do. So enjoy episode, this clip from episode 221. Culturally as a whole, why do you think we're hungering for, these smaller gatherings right now? I just think the current, uh, the currency of culture is experience right now. I just think experiences are the, the currency of our culture right now, overall. 
I mean, look at everything that people are trying to do. I think COVID made it really, really clear. Like people could no longer go to concerts anymore. And people are like, oh my gosh, I wish I could just go to a live concert. And like, it really made people realize that being in and experiencing life with other people was so, so significant. And, and really we, we live in this information superhighway. Like it's no longer about just what you just kind of mentioned. It's like, we don't need to go to a conference to get access to the greatest content in the world. It's available for free on a million different podcasts in millions of different books in millions of different spaces. And yet we are reading all this stuff and we're leading at a super high capacity and no one knows us and nobody knows our struggle. And that experience is that way to get in there. And so I think culturally people are just looking for a place to go and to be known, to take a breath. And it's, it's creating exponential growth down the road. Like it's allowing them to take a step back so that they can take a step forward. And culturally it's, it's the need everywhere. And I think the leaders that are taking their, taking their organizations to the next level are the leaders that are willing to take a step back for exponential growth down the line. Wow. Another sizzle reel in the books, Jonathan, great choices. If I can say so myself, I love the shift that they've made. It's also a shift that about three years ago, I realized that information was no longer the thing that was changing lives. And we've exited the information age where we actually have too much information. We need curation, but people are desperate for human connection. We've been lonely in this season. We've lacked that. People want that genuine face-to-face again, or that one-on-one that we get during coaching sessions where we are journeying for a long period of time with people. People are hungry for experiences. We're overwhelmed with information. We're hungry for experiences. And I applaud uh, Apex Leadership Institute for their Apex Gathering and the other organizations that are moving from the big to the small. COVID forced a lot of that, but the truth is a lot of that was happening beforehand. And I'm so grateful. Every time that we have leaders in the room, we've had two of these this summer, when it was all ladies and then we had a co-ed experience that kind of puts replenishing experience together with coaching and to see beautiful things happen, to see relationships started, uh, partnership that's going to begin there. Some people are already partnering in their life, their leadership, just as friends, but also as organizations. So we feel close to the heart of Apex. And also uh, Austin is, um, as you said, one of our network coaches. And uh, we would appreciate, first of all, guys, your prayers um, during the season. We want to continue to grow and adapt as an organization. We have new coaches uh, right now who are applying for the Stay Forth Coaching Network. And uh, we open that up twice a year. And so we want to continue to see more leaders who are unleashed as coaches, as consultants and content creators to continue helping leaders get healthy and reach more impact. And I just want to tell you guys what we're up to. Our big, hairy, audacious goal is to change the Christian leadership conversation from striving to abiding. In order to do that, we believe somewhere around a million leaders, we're going to have to see, understand, ingest, and live this message of identity before impact or health before impact, of workmanship before works, and are truly going to have to value who they are over what they do. Friends, we're not just trying to get you to do more on this podcast. We may be trying to get you to do less, to focus on who you are so that what you do can truly be guided by the Father, so you can be abiding in Christ, so you can live and lead as God truly designed you, not comparing, not cheating off somebody else's paper. And we want to encourage you with that. We do believe that you can live and lead as God designed you, that you can be healthy, that you can live right side up in this upside down culture. From Jonathan and I here at Stay Forth, from the rest of our team, from our network of coaches, we want to say we love you guys. 
We are in your corner and you are trying to do a really hard thing. But most of all, it is worth it. Keep abiding in Jesus and leading from that place. So long.